The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about dating. It's about relationships. It's about ending of relationships and new relationships. And it's about all that fun stuff. And we I've just been reading this adorable, really comedic book called Would It Kill You to Put on Some Lipstick? I love that. <laughs> One Year and 100 Dates by Holly Martin. It's a memoir and a manual. And I think, you know, especially since we're on the campus here at the University of California, we have people dating, we have relationships beginning, relationships ending. And of course, we have people driving by and listening into our podcast who have relationships. Everybody wants a relationship and wants to have the love of their life. And so this is really a fun time to talk about this. And, you know, we have some uh, great testimonials about this book as well. Um, one of them is from Chris, Chris Offset, author of My Father, the uh, the Pornograph Pornographer. Oh my goodness, it says, uh, with honest and humor, Holly Martin investigates the complexity of dating, all its joys and pitfalls, the tedium, boredom, and hope this book is wonderful. So we're going to find out more, but let me tell you a little bit about Holly before we begin. Holly Martin is a writer, storyteller, memoir. She does um, her memoirs, a frequent flyer. <laughs> but of course, it's been a little bit crazy to be a frequent flyer lately. And former Wall Street executive, Holly was born in Toronto, Canada, and raised near Vancouver. She's a graduate of Columbia University and holds a Master of Fine Arts degree in Creative Writing from Queen's University of Charlotte in beautiful North Carolina. And she divides her time between her home in Connecticut and California with her daughter and her dog. And she is the author of this great fun book that I think everybody will enjoy reading. And you can find out more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com where we have her picture, her bio. And we link to her website, Holly Martin. And Martin is spelled M-A-R-T-Y-N dot com. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Mari. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So... What what was it that started you to to write this book? Well, you know, I was in a low place, and I was twice divorced, and I had made a first start at trying to date again, 
and that had failed, and I was sitting in a spa in California, actually, and picked up a women's magazine, found this article that was about Joan Rivers and the advice that she had given to a um, a journalist who was bereaved. She was left with a newborn baby. Her husband had just died from cancer, sadly, mm. and... Joan knew this journalist well enough to, you know, recognize that she had kind of let herself go and lost hope. And she said, "Would it kill you to put on some lipstick? Set up, <laughs> set up one of those online accounts, go on a hundred dates, and you'll meet somebody." And it just really hit me. And I thought, well, first of all, I got to, I got to end the pity party and stop feeling mm-hmm. sorry for myself. And then I started to think, well. Could Joan be right? Um, you know, is this a numbers game? What is, you know, it, it, could this theory be true? And I decided to try to test it. Exactly. So how did you know it was the right time for you to start dating? So you, your marriage, your second marriage ended, and you, you obviously went through a grieving period, right? Well, and I was still in it. And, you know, some days I... I wonder if the advice that you should heal first and then get out there, or if you maybe you just go 25% in and then you just got to keep going. I mean, sometimes life has a process of healing ourselves. In it. We have to kind of be in it. It's, there's not always these clean dividing lines. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I don't know. Sometimes when people go from the fire into from the frying pan into the fire, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh my God, what did you do? Because you know, doing divorce for so many years, I see this. People will start in a relationship while they're going through the divorce, and I see this, and I think, oh my God, they're you know, they haven't had a chance to find out what part of the problem was me and what problem was was her or him. You know, so there's that part of it. But then on the other hand, sometimes they really need some, some cuddling, they need some support, they need someone to tell them that they're handsome or beautiful again. So, you know, I I waver about that because sometimes if you, especially if you're a dumpy as opposed to a dump or, (laughs) you feel (laughs) so bad about yourself that it's so nice to have someone who can you know, just say, gee, you know, you're, you're wonderful instead of you're a jerk, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I, and, and actually I write about that process in the book. You know, people ask me, what is this book like? And I say, well, it's a little bit like sex in the city meets eat, pray, love. Right. And (laughs) eat, pray, love being about the inner work that we have to do. Um, But, you know, we, I think as human beings, there's this drive to move forward, and we're living through some interesting times right now. And, right. you know, all of our instinctual things as human beings is, you know, we're, we want to find love, we want to get a little frisky, we want partnership, we want to have babies, we want to have, you know, companionship and partnership. And so I don't know if completely benching yourself is the answer. But what I decided to do was to kind of force myself back out there, even though I was in kind of a low place. Yeah. And it was that sort of, you know, deciding to live out over my skis that, that helped me rebuild my new life post-divorce. 
Right, right. And I think, you know, when you do this online thing, I know I went through a divorce as well after 18 years and two little kids. And I know I, um, you know, I, I was a dumpy, you know, my husband had, um, had an affair with his young secretary (laughs) and I was, you know, by the way, my father did that too. I wrote about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay (laughs) because, you know, now looking back, it was a blessing in disguise because I'm with my husband now who I wouldn't be with him and have this wonderful relationship had I not gone through that. So, you know, I can look back at it now. It was painful at the time, but I always, I really believe this, that if someone wants to leave the relationship, he or she knows that it's not, it's not working and they're not getting um, a way of communicating effectively. So if it wasn't working for him, it really wasn't working for me, but I was denying it in my own mind. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So I, I, I get to the point where I don't think it's about blame. I think it's about understanding and taking responsibility for your part of it. So um, I I think it was probably the greatest thing that happened to me because I, I really had to go deep and figure out who I was just like you had to, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think too, you know, when you look at relationships that split up and I, and I write about this, um, I do think that the person that we might choose to be with in our twenties and thirties, um, at the time when we're trying to choose a partner to have a family with, right. might be very different than the person that we choose to live the second half of our lives with. I mean, I think biology really sets us up. I, I, I believe a lot of us, most of us, don't even really kind of figure out our own identity until probably our late 30s and maybe early 40s. And um, biology sets us up. We are sort of forced to choose life partners. You know, most of us want to have kids and have families, or, you know, a good percentage of us do. And so we often will wake up in our early 40s and look across the table at the person we've chosen, and maybe this person isn't a reflection of who we are anymore because we're constantly evolving. And, you know, having children and raising a family, it's its not easy, as you know. Right. Well, you know, Holly, I think you're so right. And I, I think things are really changing. I see the young people now are getting married later. I happen to have gotten married right out of college, but because I put my husband through medical school, we waited eight and a half years before we had children. And, you know, I worked full time, three different jobs to put him through school. And then he was working really hard. So we didn't have kids till later, but we got married very young. And I think now people are getting married later in life. And I think maybe they do know themselves. They're not just, you know, I was the day I graduated college, I got married. I mean, how did I know who I was? You know, I went from, yeah. like, you, you know, so you were 22. Right. How, how would I ever even know who I was? And so I think you're so right, that we don't really know who we are. And then when we start to develop who we really are, and then if we don't grow and help each other grow and and really know how to be a partner and how to help each other grow instead of getting polarized. You know, I look back on on my relationship and you know, I think we became so polarized in my first marriage and now, you know, I know much more about 
what it is about expressing what I need and my husband now expressing what he needs. We're just much more mature and we can work at the marriage and really make it work. And we feel so blessed about that. We didn't, you know, we didn't have a clue. (laughs) My ex and I didn't have a clue about what the heck we were doing. And especially when you come from a family that maybe, you know, my parents had a very good marriage and, you know, I thought they did and, and his parents did, but, but they really weren't, you know, they just stuck together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I know sort you, of this, yeah, we made yeah. a deal. We're going to ride this out right. <laughs> till death do us part. Which, yeah, I think and it was, happiness is optional. Yeah, I think my parents did it by the end. They were, you know, I remember them just like holding hands all the time. You know, I remember them fighting when I was a kid, but they mellowed when they got older. But I know you, you had a, a tough, a tough childhood. You want to share a little bit about that because that really impacts us for the rest of our lives until we kind of get beyond that, right? I, I mean, I really did, and, and I did not have the easiest start in this life. I was child of divorce, and there was um, a lot of mental illness in my family, and um, as a result, um, my sister and I were put into foster care, and, and you know, it was, it, for me, it just sort of steeled my resolve to overcome. Yeah. And I think for my sister, it, it really wounded her. I mean, it wounded me too, but I think, you know, we are where we are and we, um, but I, that was something that had, that really came, came out as I was writing this book was, you know, it kind of started as, oh, you know, can I meet a nice guy in a hundred dates or less? But I started to really reflect, you know, is it men or is it me? And what brought me to this moment in my life? And I had to work through some serious stuff. And I also had to face my past. I had to face my childhood. And I started to realize that um, in many ways, I had so much shame attached to where I I had come from and, and what my family situation was. And I'd now found myself in a position where, you know, I could walk into any cocktail party and anywhere in the world and sort of hold my head high and appear to not to to look like someone who'd never been through anything. And I started to realize that that's not the goal in life. I mean, and maybe the, the path that I traveled is actually something to be proud of. Yes. And like they say, the greater the pain, the greater the growth. And so look how much you've grown. There are some people that, you know, born with the silver spoon in their mouth, had everything given to them, and they just don't know how to handle things because they haven't had to. But you had to handle things from just very young and what you had to go through to help, you know, with your siblings and everything else. I mean, it was it was it was rough. It was rough. But it built character and it you you're able to help other people know it. And so I think that, you know, when people recognize that they didn't have it so perfect, you know, because I don't think anyone really does have it perfect. I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. But there is no perfect. There is no perfect. But if you take what you can learn from that and grow from that, then that's what you're doing. You're helping other people by writing this book. You're helping other people to grow and understand it's okay that you are not your parents. You are not the shame, quote, shame of the past. You know, 
you were just doing the best you could as a, as a child. So I think when you can really let go, shed all that negativity and say, hey, you know, look at how I have overcome all this. This is amazing, right? I, I think so, too. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when it comes to, so you're, you know, you're someone that works with families that are trying to resolve conflict and divorce and, um, you know, I think the cornerstone of our society is really built on commitments and family and marriages and all of those things. And there, it is difficult and painful when these things dissolve, right? And our words should mean something. When we get up in front of our family and friends and anyone who's ever meant anything to us and we make our vows, we need that. We need that for ourselves. We need that for our society. But at the same time, we also sometimes have to recognize that there, sometimes it just doesn't work. We give it our best shot, and it's not going to work, and we have to raise our hand and say, I'm out, and, and do that with humility, and, but without shame. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's so sad is where do we learn about relationships? You know, we don't learn it in school. You know, we're not given the, we're not taught to be mindful. We're not taught to be self-reflective. It's just when we get older that we start recognizing that we really need to look within and figure out, you know, who we are, what we want, you know, what's, what's really the right thing for us. We, we aren't taught that when we're young. And so that's what's really unfortunate. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I, I know for my kids, you know, especially my daughter who went through some relationships and she's single right now and living in New York City. And so she knows now what she wants and what she doesn't want. And that's, that's so healthy. But it takes a while to get there. Well, and that's <laughs> why what you're doing and hopefully what I'm doing, like having these conversations and you know, raising awareness and having, you know, we have to start to reflect on this because this is, this is what is, you know, the biggest part of our lives. Like, who do we go home to? What do we commit to? What are, what are our priorities? Right. And really, relationship is everything, whether it's a relationship with your, your spouse or your loved one or your kids or other people. Relationship, that's, that's the one thing that I think people don't really know how to do relationships in such a way as, you know, get rid of the blame, get rid of the guilt, get rid of the shame, and just be there truthful and honest and, and, and mindful of how you talk to people. But, and also within ourselves. First, how yeah. we talk to ourselves. Right. It all starts with us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Especially when, you know, things, I, I, you know, with this whole craziness that's going on in the world and the panic, people have to talk, you know, have to say to themselves, am I living in fear or am I living in faith? You know, and mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing is be mindful of what we're telling ourselves. You're so right, Holly. Just want to mention while we're talking about Holly is that Holly is the author of this fun new book called Would It Kill You to Put On Some Lipstick? And this is about for a whole year of 100 dates. So let's go back, Holly, to talk about, okay, so... um what did you originally think of, of going on a hundred dates? What was that all about? Well, I, you know, I thought, you know, I came out of that Joan Rivers moment and her right. little challenge, um, right. 
And she always sort of, I mean, I love her sense of humor. I have that in me, too. Like, we can't take ourselves too seriously. we got to laugh. we got to try again. And I thought, all right, can I meet a nice guy in 100 dates or less? And so <laughs> yeah. I told myself, you know, so I thought, what's my plan? How am I going to get the 100 dates or, or less? So I, I did what she suggested. I set up an online account. I used apps. I got some dates that way. Second thing I did was I told myself that whenever my young daughter was visiting her dad, I would not stay home alone. I would go out and have grab a meal, sit up at a bar in a nice restaurant and get a glass of wine and order some food and see what happened, see if I would meet anybody. Yeah. And then the third thing I did was I told, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, anybody, hey, if you know somebody and you want to set me up on a blind date, I'll go. Right. And between those three things, it changed my life. Yeah, yeah. And were you uh, fearful of doing this online dating? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I had been married for, you know, ten, ten years. I mean, I thought I was never going to have to date again. Um, I wasn't. I'm not a. I mean, I'm getting up the curve now, but I wasn't a big technology person. I wasn't even on Facebook, so I was terrified of you know, dating apps and all that stuff. But I figured it out and I learned. And and the thing about technology is, you know, as long as you make sure that it works for you, it can be, a you know, a wonderful plus in your life. And, you know, some people say, oh, you know, getting on a dating app or technology, it's dangerous or whatever. It's no more dangerous than going to a bar, you know, and, and right. in many ways it's more convenient, you know, and you, and oh, for sure. <laughs> right. There's wonderful apps out there. You, there's, you know, apps for people who are looking for a short term thing. There's apps for people who are looking for something, looking for a relationship. Right. And it allows you to, you know, select on height and, you know, religion and, you know, interests and all these things. It's a it's actually a wonderful tool. So it's something that our grandparents didn't have and it's something we should really take advantage of. Yeah, instead of the matchmaker, huh? <laughs> well, and, but you know what, but I would say just try everything. Like it's, yeah. it's not like it's not like one or the other. Like throw yeah. it all up in the air and see what happens. I know a lot of people that uh, lately that wanted to meet people online have have started to go to these meetups. I have several friends who are have been single and they've gone to meetups. Like if you like to play golf, you go to a golf meetup. If you yeah. like you know, if you like to do art, you go to an art meet. If you like to hike, you go to a hike meetup. And that seems to be really helpful too. So I I am a real strong believer in, you know, in technology and using it in the best way possible. And so yeah, I you know, I agree. Well, what was the most bizarre date that you that you ever had? Oh, <laughs> that that list. <laughs> There's a it's a growing list. It's a running list. I don't know if I can answer that, but I mean, I've had, <laughs> um, I've even you know I've even had some bizarre dates this week. Um, but I would say, um, I think, and actually, I wrote about this date at the beginning of my book. It was a man, and and I was completely clueless. You know, I had been married for so long and didn't think I was going to have to date again. And I end up mm. on this date with, with this patent lawyer who ultimately spent the first part of the date talking about his ex-girlfriend's 
gastric bypass surgery. Oh, dear. And then, <laughs> and then revealed that he believed he had ESP. <laughs> oh, did he think that he could tell what you were thinking or what? Uh, apparently, he wasn't that good at the ESP. Because <laughs> I, you know. Um, and then it just kept going because then, you know, I was not very good at knowing. To, to, I should have just cut it off and nicely said, don't ever contact me again. But I was too polite. And so he, he would just keep texting me. And, <sighs> and then he revealed that he had a special relationship with a wolf at a, at a wolf sanctuary. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of characters out there. And, you know, again, with technology. Well, at least he wasn't, he wasn't scary. He was just. No, yeah. he was, I mean, he was a partner in a law firm. I don't know how yeah. he stayed employed, especially since he um, said that he had made a presentation about the female wolf to the, to the partners of his law firm. Hmm. Well, maybe he was looking for some kind of patent on that, you know, that he was going to do with the with the with the wolf. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you just can't make this stuff up. Like there, there's it's a crazy world out there. Um, but yeah. you know, I think what happens when you date at any point in life is you start to recognize there are certain red flags, like the ESP. I should have just never spoken to him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Um, you know, it gets easier over time. And, you know, if you if you go into dating, you know, knowing what you're looking for, what your mm -hmm. priorities are, and, and just, you know, vowing to treat yourself and the other person with kindness and respect and honesty, yeah. it'll go fine. Well, can you give some dating tips to these people who are listening today? Sure. You know, I, the, one of the sort of the most oddball tips, or maybe it's not that oddball, but I've sort of discovered it recently for women, is when I stopped wearing rings, I got asked out more. Hmm. It's like men, I'm going to say men look at women's hands, hmm. and they, you know, sometimes people have a hard time telling which is right or left. If you wear no rings, <laughs> you will get asked out more. No, and then people wear rings. Women, I mean, I have gorgeous rings, yeah. but it screws. If you wear no rings, it's like it's like a free for all. You get asked out all the time. I swear <laughs> to God, that's interesting. That I haven't simple. heard that one. Yeah, no, I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. So I just put all the diamonds and crap in the safety deposit box, and I get yeah. asked out. <laughs> but um, anything else? Well, I mean, I think. Try the online, and I think you really need to be honest. And I think the other piece of it is you have to recognize that with online dating, you know, with the apps, the photographs are the most important. That's really what mm. sort of starts off this whole attraction business. Yeah. You know, I'm How a feminist, and I would like to say, hey, the picture of me in the sweatpants should be better, but that's just not the way the world works. Well, how about a telephone call after you've, um, you know, kind of created a, 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 a match, so to speak. What about the telephone call? Do you have a telephone call before you meet so that you kind of get that feeling whether this is going to be a, a click or not? Well, you know, that can happen. Although, you know, it's funny, I, 
you know, I'm I'm single again, and in the time of here we are in the time of coronavirus, I had a an hour and forty minute phone call with somebody that gave me high hope, but it was only until we met face to face from a safe distance that yeah. we both realized, like, oh well, it's we like each other, but it's not going to work because the chemistry isn't there. So right. I think I think you can. I don't know. I think you can overthink the pre-screen. I think if you if you like each other's pictures or, you know, just show up. You're going to know a lot in 20 minutes. You might even know a lot in four minutes. You yeah. know, it's kind of immediate. So meeting for a cup of coffee rather than meeting for dinner is probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, coffee or a drink. And yeah. when, we, when we return to normal times of people and you know, crowded places, it's going to get easier. Yeah. But in the meantime, of course, you know, you can you can FaceTime, you can Zoom. have conversations. Right. Well, we would you believe we are out of time? So I just want to make sure that I mention your book, Would It Kill You to Put On Some Lipstick? One Year and a Hundred... A hundred wonderful dates. I don't know if they're wonderful. Hundred dates, <laughs> and this is a memoir and a manual by Holly Martin. And Holly, just give your website, and it's time to go. Sure, it's hollymartin.com, and it's M A R T Y N. And my social media is on Instagram. It's Holly L Martin, M A R T Y N. And same for Twitter and same for Facebook. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. You keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Holly. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.